everybody, and welcome back to No Fate, the Terminator podcast, where we cover any and all things Terminator, most notably Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I'm your host, Michael John Penny, and with me is my co-host, Tanner Radwick, and we're back. I mean, we were back last week, but we're back again. <laughs> and we are hopefully here to stay for the foreseeable future, um, at least through the end of the year. This week, we are talking about the episode Strange Things Happen at the 1-2 point, and, be- and we're really excited about that. But before we get into it, uh, Tanner, we got some emails to get through that we promised the the good people that we'd get through this week. That's right. I didn't get prepped on any of these either, so let's, let's see what we got here. All right. Our first one comes from Noah Hegemeyer who said, just found out that in the original Terminator, when Arnold is searching the phone book, he's using both hands, and he lands on a John Connor with his left while he searches for a Sarah on his right. I didn't really? know that. <laughs> I... <laughs> That's super funny. I have to go back and look at that now. Yeah, we got to watch that more closely. Dang. Oh, my... Huh. Was that intentional? <laughs> It must it must have been intentional, right? It's a crazy coincidence if it's not. <laughs> because I don't know. In my head canon, theoretically, the Terminator could be searching for John's father as well as his mother if Skynet doesn't know it's Kyle Reese, which I don't think he, Skynet knows in the first at least the first movie. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What but if, I guess it would be weird if, if they both had the same last name. So I guess yeah, that, if they they both have the same last name, that doesn't, doesn't make sense necessarily. Work. This isn't Game of Thrones, after all. That's true. Huh. Yeah, that's really interesting. Huh. Super interesting. Go figure. I'm gonna have to pay attention to that next time I watch it. Well, <laughs> thanks Noah for sharing that with us because we're gonna definitely be double checking that one. Our next one comes from Craig Atkins, who says, Hey guys, I just wanted to drop you a message and say hi, and that I hope you're both doing well. I'm missing the No Fate podcast, so I hope, as life allows, you will get back to it soon. He wrote this in the beginning of September, by the way. Okay. But no pressure, as I know you have a lot going on. I have finished my rewatch of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and it was great to be reminded what an awesome show it was. It was a damn shame it ended when it did. I know they hope to finish it with a movie of some kind, but I wish they could have wrapped it up with a novel or comic series. Maybe there is still some hope for this if enough people pose the question. Anyway, take care of yourselves, and I hope to listen to you again soon. Best wishes, Craig. Well, thank you, Craig. We really appreciate that. I agree. I mean, I think a novel or a comic, especially a comic, would be a great way to continue the show. Because chances are we're not getting a revival, we're not getting a miniseries, we're not getting another season, and we're not getting a movie. Even a made-for-TV or DVD movie. So, not that they make made-for-DVD movies anymore. I guess it'd be made-for-streaming, but that'd be my guess. How about a very elaborate fan film? That'd be sweet, with the original cast. Who'd raise the budget for that? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, uh, (laughs) yeah... I don't know. I, a comic would be really cool, though. I'd like that. We need something, right? I don't know. I get, although there's certainly, I we'll, we'll have to cover it in a, in a future episode. But you said there is kind of a fan fiction that does a good job. Is that right? Well, it, I read it a long time ago, so I may have to reread it in preparation. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I remember it. I remember it doing a pretty good job. So. We'll see. I remember I also it, being so pretty long, so I'll have to read it before sending it to you, and we'll see if it's worth the time of day. But Well, we we cover all things Terminator, good or bad, and hey, if we're covering Terminator <laughs> Genesis, I think we can cover <laughs> someone's fan fiction, right? That is true. That is true. Um, 
Yeah, no, that'd be really fun. We also wanted to do an episode anyway, just on the plans that they had for season three, because there's just so much out there in terms of interviews and Twitter threads and all these sorts of things from the creators and the cast who have talked about what they would have done for season three. And while it's not all like in stone, obviously, because it didn't happen, it's definitely worth doing an episode over, I think. So that's that's something we want to do after we get through our season two coverage. Yep. It's fascinating thinking about what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, Craig. Uh, our next one comes from Khalil Rahman. And he says, hey, Mike. Oh, guess not you, Tanner. Sorry. Yeah, well, he called you Mike, so. <laughs> well, that's true. He doesn't really know me either, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the Sarah vs. Ripley debate on the Disputed podcast, and it was awesome. Oh, cool. You did a really great job, which is why Sarah came out on top. Another thing I would have said to counter Ryan's claim of a Xeno being stronger than a Terminator is in Aliens, when Ripley runs over the Xeno with an APC, it gets squashed like a bug, while Arnold gets run over by a gas hauler in T1 and only suffers a skin damage and a limp at worst. I'm happy Sarah won, even though Ryan had a great stand. Team Sarah. Take care, you guys. Khalil. P.S. You also said my name right in your last episode. Thanks. Oh, great. Well, I hope we did it again, because if not, I'm going to feel like a total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love love hearing that someone was listening, too, to our... Uh... Boy, that was fun. That oh, was it was so fun. fun. It was such a good time. The amount of time that you and I prepped for that, too. Oh, my gosh, yeah. We so did. We did and like you know what? we should have recorded those prep sessions to be honest because that yeah. would have made great bonus episodes of the show. But Oh my gosh. Well, the fact that we didn't think of the Xenomorph being squished compared to Arnold not being squished. It's I'm true. frustrated that we didn't think of that on our own. That's it's true. that's a great point to I bring agree. up. It's very smart. And terminators are just super durable. I mean, they just are. And yeah. xenomorphs, just by nature of them being biological creatures, uh, you know, there's the possibility to for them to be damaged easier. It just makes sense. But I guess their blood is, like, super toxic. So the real question is, would their blood, like, eat through a Terminator or just eat through the skin? I don't know the right. answer to that. Yeah. But. It's hard to say. I mean, you also have you have Terminator Salvation that shows the T eight hundred withstanding a big lava thing, <laughs> true, pretty well, true, which is odd since it also gets destroyed in the lava. Obviously, you leave it in there long enough, I guess. But also, I think with in T two when they sink when they uh, sink the T one thousand, I think part of that too is just the weight of the metal probably drags it down, right? Whereas in what is it um is it genesis or salvation where that happens with lava mm -hmm. and it's just walking through it but it's because it's not getting oh, dragged yeah. down or anything it's not drowning so i, I maybe yeah. the physics behind that are different i don't know makes for a cool sequence it's true it's true well thank you and thank you for listening to the Disputed Podcast. They're really cool. They're really cool guys. They have a lot of really interesting uh, versus episodes. And it's fun to go back and, and listen to some of those. So definitely continue to check them out. They're uh, they're doing some good stuff over there. Um, our next one is from Darkclaw Fortune, who says, Hey, guys, I just jumped on to listening to your show about a month ago, and I've already listened to every episode. I really enjoy the show and hope you keep moving forward. I was wondering what Terminator model is your favorite and why. Maybe you can do an episode covering all the different models from the movies or all media. Hope you're doing well and hope the new baby is healthy and strong. Keep up the great work. There's a lot of us that really enjoy the podcast. That's great. Yeah, it makes thank me, you. It makes me feel motivated to get more episodes out. If someone can get through them in a month, what are we doing? I know. We need to have. We need to have pages to scroll through. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true. We do, um, especially since we've updated the website and stuff like that. We definitely gotta keep content rolling. Um, baby's doing great. Thank you so much for for asking and for caring, and appreciate all of you who have reached out about 
about her since she's been born. She's doing really great. She's almost two months old now at time of recording, which is amazing. And she's just, she's wonderful, except when she's screaming at 3 a.m. at me. Um, I actually just told a friend today, he he said, she looks like an angel. And I'm like, yep. And she screams like a fallen one. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, favorite Terminator model. We may have to do a whole episode on this, but off the top of my head, I kind of want to say the T-1000. But that's hard, because the Arnold model, the, t- the classic, is a classic. The 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 OG, not the T-850, but the OG T-800. It's too hard to pass that up. I also really like the Triple Eights. I think they're really interesting models. They are. I mean, they don't have the iconic factor, but um, I love that they can be different. They can be their own thing, mm-hmm. and it it allows for the show to explore different areas that wouldn't work with a T eight hundred. So I like that part. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I guess that's our answer for right now. We will definitely do an episode all about the all the models the distinct models and stuff like that once we get through some of the media and and all of that um we definitely want to get through the sarah connor chronicles first and then from there we have to still do the terminator salvation machinima series and hopefully by then the anime series is airing on netflix and we can start talking about that because that's pretty exciting but um yeah the goal is eventually to do an episode like that so we're glad that you guys are interested because that just keeps keeps the motivation rolling um our last message again comes from khalil got a direct message on the no fate twitter where he just wanted to make clear that we knew that there is a sarah connor chronicles subreddit we've talked about the terminator subreddit before but there is a sarah connor chronicles one specifically so if any of you are a part of that or in that it'd be great if you could promote the show if not um totally understand <laughs> stop listening to us um no i'm, I'm kidding but only kind of so with that tanner did you have any other thoughts before we get into this episode i'm excited to get into this episode no i appreciate all the mail thank you guys keep writing in yeah thank you guys all right this week's episode we are covering the Oh boy, what is it? Is it the 10th? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah, it is the 10th episode of Season 2 of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Strange things happen at the 1-2 point. This episode got a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And the description says, Sarah's quest to find the meaning behind the three dots leads to a technology firm seeking an advanced microchip. Dr. Sherman is killed while working with Catherine Weaver's AI computer, and Jesse comes clean about her mission. There's a lot that goes on in this episode. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Honestly, I'd probably give it an eight. Yeah, I was I was gonna do like a seven point eight is what came to mind for me. It's yeah. pretty dang good. It is. It really is. There's there's so many components uh and every plot line is super distinct mm-hmm. very well written even sarah's three dots plot line in this episode is is it's one of the better episodes in this plot line for her and yeah. yeah i mean just the world building in and of itself that just expands the show and the scope of the terminator universe is very it's just good it's just so good um mm-hmm. I think the one thing I, I want to talk about the one thing I don't like off the bat and then we Let's can talk about everything else that we like. The one thing I do not like is how Sherman is le- just so disregarded in this episode. I just, I kind of hate that. I kind of hate that he's killed off screen. I kind of hate yep. that all we see of him is his corpse. I kind of hate that there's, there's nothing behind that, especially given that Sarah is now possibly seeing him. And the fact that he is dead doesn't, you know, I don't know. And I don't even remember if that comes back or not. I kind of feel like it doesn't. Um, 
Not so, that I can recall. Yeah, not that I can it, recall either. You hated that one. Just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the one I know you're talking about, I actually like, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, okay. <laughs> but it just, um, no, I don't know. It's just, it's super odd. Yeah, he's in a few episodes. It, it's kind of a, the idea that he is interacting with this AI is really cool mm-hmm. to have a, you know, and also the the way he was interacting with Sarah and John, it's, fr- you know, he's a very likable character. It's frustrating that um, there wasn't more to it, but what they do with it with Ellison investigating yeah. it. Yeah. I love that scene. I do agree with that. Yes. So I think they make good use of it in the end, ultimately. I just think it's a strange use of the actor, just like mm-hmm. contractually. I just think it's a very odd use of the actor's name's Dorian Harewood. Um, because he's they shot scenes with him for this episode. They like his dead body is there. That's physically that actor. And mm-hmm. then they shoot these scenes of him dying ever so briefly in the room by himself that they use the CC foot uh, cam footage. And uh, it's just super odd to me. It just feels weird. Um, from a TV, from a filmmaking standpoint, it just feels weird. And I don't love that. Um, it's like the only issue I really have with the episode. Otherwise, it, I just think it's an excellent episode of the show. Honestly, probably an underrated episode of the show. Yeah. I I kind of like it from a realism standpoint of sure. you're looking at from maybe Ellison's point of view of mm. like, oh my gosh, this person is now gone and here's the pieces that I have to look into it and that's kind of it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes for a very eerie uh, conversation, if you will between Ellison and the screen. Right, which is, of course, one of the best parts of the episode. Yeah, certainly. Well, should we get into that? Do you want to start with the Ellison plotline this time? Oh, that would that would just be not like us at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think, uh, I think it's very interesting, the Ellison plotline. Obviously, he's brought in to investigate the death of Sherman, and not only that, um, but he starts interacting with this Babylon project AI and recognizes the fact that it doesn't have ethics. It doesn't have a morality. It doesn't have any, um, compass guiding itself. It's, it's very robotic, which is to be expected. It's, it's a machine. It's not a person, but it's an intelligence, which means that the goal is for it to be something more. And I, what I think is very interesting about, Ellison's involvement in this whole project in the first place is he really he knows the future he knows what's going to happen he's been confronted with it on so many occasions and Cromartie not only stalked him but nearly killed him on more than one occasion and yet he's willing to be a part of this and seemingly not with any end game in mind it's it's not like he's being a part of it as a double agent to try and knock out Babylon or destroy Zero Corp from within. He's he's a part of it willingly. And I don't know if it's out of character, because I don't I don't know if I necessarily think it is. I think Ellison is the type of person who wants to see the good in everybody, and I think that extends to this machine. Um which I think is fascinating. It but is hard to it's weird the motivation. Yeah. The motivation behind digging up Cromartie, right? Right. Hard to figure, to pinpoint where is that coming from? Is this coming from a place of just wanting a better understanding of this new um, revelation that he has? Um, But also he understands the stakes so well, like you said, he had been attacked by this thing multiple times. He knows where humanity is going. Is it a lazy plot line to just move the plot forward? Or is there enough justification to say that Ellison has a 
a clear motivation or is it more of a convenience to just have him dig it up because he was the only one who knew where it was right or is Ellison trying so hard to use his knowledge of the future to try and change what Skynet could be from the ground floor maybe he sees this AI this John Henry as Skynet or it could become Skynet which is the obvious implication. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe his goal is to change that. I don't know. I, I still think move. that seems like a stretch, but I, I also see his desire for good and justice and truth to prevail. And if he can teach ethics to this thing, maybe that'd work. Yeah, it, it's hard to go from. You know, if you're weighing, if you're weighing two different futures, one just straight up without Skynet at all, or I'm gonna roll the dice and try and make Skynet good. Right. Seems really dicey to try and maybe we can talk Skynet out of this. You know. <laughs> right. And it's all interesting too because he doesn't really trust Weaver. And so maybe part of it is I don't trust your motives, so I'm going to be here and do what I can to change this thing so it doesn't become something else. I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's what we're supposed to be getting from this. Could be. I think there 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 certainly is a level of plot convenience to it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're trying to make it fit a little bit and I think it's probably somewhere in between ultimately between plot convenience as well as you can kind of make a case for what mm-hmm. Ellison is trying to do. Mhm. Yeah. I think the uh <laughs> the part where Ellison's looking out his window and Cameron's just walking in his yard. <laughs> looking for the body it's too yeah. funny it's too good cameron's such a it's freaking a weirdo he's <laughs> so weird like we really forgot you were an infiltrator didn't we <laughs> he's really good at it sometimes and then just <laughs> awful other times or she just gets to the point where she doesn't care. Maybe it's like those t- types of people who, when they have company, they have to like put on a persona. And the moment company leaves, they're just like shut down. You know, maybe it's yeah. like maybe she's like that. She has like an actual personality in that way, which I guess would make her a very different kind of Terminator. I guess that would fit. Yeah. <laughs> well, this episode introduces a really sinister idea around Cameron that Jesse talks to Derek about the Mm. idea that she's now in the past trying to find John to separate him ultimately from Cameron. She's saying that from her future, she doesn't like the decisions John is making and she thinks Cameron has too much influence over him, which is a really scary way to all of a sudden look at this character. Yeah. And you're kind of in Derek's position of not necessarily knowing what to believe or how to feel about that. Right. I think it's hard for the audience, too, because last week we just saw Jesse be a crazy person. Yeah. And she was right, yes, but she is also kind of nuts. And is she right about this while also being a little crazy or is she just kind of crazy? And at this point we don't know. Um, there's no flash forwards to the future just yet. Um, and not only that, but her coming back in time has already changed that future anyway. Mm-hmm. So it could be completely different now than it was when she left. Um, it's a very interesting idea though that Connor, that John would surround himself with machines in the future and use them as his lieutenants and that maybe those machines have actually taken over. It's it's very Terminator Genesis, obviously. You know, there's yeah. there's that clear connection too. And and, and again we're we're seeing how Genesis and 
I'm sure Dark Fate too, how they both really take from the Sarah Connor Chronicles and kind of continue some of those plot threads and, and reinterpret yeah. them for different for different means. It's obviously more interesting here because we don't see that future and we don't see that version of John. But seeing what they were going for in that movie in the light of the show is is also um mm-hmm. also very interesting. Mm-hmm. On the idea of is Cameron grooming John? Right. It's it's scary. It's, it is scary, it <laughs> especially because of what Sarah says earlier this season. What like I don't like how he responds to you. That's yes. that's already been those seeds have been planted, um, and we have already seen Cameron manipulate John in certain ways. Yes. So, like, there is some level of uh, manipulation there anyway. So it's entirely possible. Yeah, there's right? a pre- there's a precedent for it. I think what's in- interesting about John is that there's a lot of times, too, where Cameron tries to manipulate him to do a certain thing, and he doesn't do it. And mm-hmm. so I think we're to this point with John, and I think this is where Derek is conflicted, that John is very much making his own decisions and making up his own mind, despite Sarah, despite Cameron, despite even Derek. And mm-hmm. that's become very clear, especially in a couple episodes ago in Mr. Ferguson is ill today. That entire episode is because John made a very specific choice. Um, yeah. That was against what everyone else was saying. And for better or worse, he's still the one in charge of his own destiny. Is that going to start to change now? I mean, even last yeah. week's episode, John is the one using Cameron to beat up Ellison. John is the one commanding her and telling her when to stop and when to go. Um, and yes, Cameron keeps things from John. That is true. But he's still very much in control now. Is that just a semblance of control? Is that just a facade that she's putting up so that he thinks he's in control mm-hmm. to give her more control later? I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing as we go here. It's tough. And you you see Derek have this small conversation with John that we really don't get enough of. Yeah, <laughs> we talked no, about true. that a little last time. That Derek doesn't have enough like interaction with John. They Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, Derek is trying to fish out, you know, is your head in the right place still? Are you being Corrupted, distracted by everything else going around, right? Using the three dot analogy. Yep. And John says, "No, I'm I'm in it. I know where I'm going." Like he seems to be very focused. Yeah. And it's it's confusing too, though, because it's clearly too early to tell if he's going to get set on the wrong path because of Cameron or not, right? right. Derek's trying to feel it out in this moment right now, but it's so early that there's no way to tell yeah. where it's going. And at this point. I think it's 2007, and Judgment Day is 2011. So it's still a couple years away before Mm -hmm. the bombs are going to drop and before John has to actually step up. So we're not – there's still a lot of time. And, yes, there's not a lot of time for us because the season ends and the show ends, but there is a lot of time in the narrative for the characters. Sure. I think some of the glimmer of hope is uh, we're seeing more and more John take control of the situations, of course. He, yeah. he he takes the initiative at the beginning of this episode to look into the, the, the company. He sets up Sarah's whole backstory for her, and she right. comments on that. She's impressed. Like, we see his leadership coming out and his planning. Yes. It's really great. Well, it's it's what makes Thomas Decker's John Connor the best, in my opinion, John Connor. I mean, we just see his we see so much growth from the pilot to the finale of this season. And mm-hmm. we we just see him become this hero that we've always been told he is. And in the movies, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of time for that. You get little mini arcs of leadership and in, in him stepping into that. Um, you get that in T2 and T3, but then in T4, in Salvation, he's a leader, and Genesis, he's the leader, and in Dark Fate, he's dead. And so here, we really get to see that progression and get to see him really just show off his abilities. It's kind of how I feel about um, 
Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man compared to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in some sense. Now, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is, I think, my favorite still at this point. He's just iconic. He's classic. He's nerdy. He's everything about Peter Parker that I love. Um, But Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is arguably the best Spider-Man because not only does he deal with all these same exact things that Peter from the original Tobey Maguire trilogy does, but he's also incredibly intelligent, and the movies make sure to point that out, whereas in the Tobey Maguire movies, it's alluded to, but it's never actually seen. Um, Super strange uh, analogy for me to use on a Terminator podcast, but... That's how hey, I feel I like- about Decker's John Connor versus Furlong or Nick Stahl or Christian Bale or insert name here. You know, I guess the only other mm-hmm. one is uh, what's his name, Jason Clark. But yeah, I love John Connor. I saw. Oh yeah, what's you know he he's John Connor. Who 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 wouldn't love him as Jesse says? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I I felt like I saw some of Furlong's John Connor in this episode today, yeah. and I also saw some of Linda Hamilton's Sarah Connor in this episode today. Yeah. Um, as far as John Connor goes, when John is talking to Riley in her room, and he kind of knows that he can't say what he needs to or wants to say, rather. And he's trying to, like, distance himself from her in this moment. And mm-hmm. she's trying to keep him, right? I don't know. Something about that conversation in that room. I could picture an older furlong having that same kind of, like, awkward talk deal. Something about it. Something sure. about it was just working for me in that sense. But more than anything, I saw Linda Linda Hamilton in this scene where, where she starts beating up um, the, the, the father guy. Yeah. Yeah, Alex Akagi. Yes. Some of her lines, the mannerisms, like supposedly Lena had never looked up what uh, Linda Hamilton had done with these movies. But I almost wonder if she did for this scene. <laughs> well, I, I feel like maybe she said that at the beginning of the show and, and that was true. Yeah. But as the show went on, my guess is she watched those first two movies. I'm sure. At least some of the iconic scenes right right action sequences or whatever else but to be fair also i think they wrote some of the dialogue in that part to be similar i mean uh sarah even says um men like you at one point yep um to akagi and um the way she kind of rattles off some of these lines and builds up to like don't lie to me kind of thing yep It, it, it Reminded me of the scene with Dr. Silverman with the thing in his yes, neck. And yes. she's building up. They don't F with me at the end. Like I know. All we were a... missing was a big F bomb. Yeah. You couldn't do that on TV back then. <laughs> oh, man. But still, it was, still can't on was... broadcast television. But I, I I wanted to rewind the scene. I didn't because I was crunching on time to get this through. But I was like, this is really reminiscent here. Yeah. I liked it. It's really and good. It was cool too because you didn't you don't get a ton of full full blown T two Sarah in um these in these episodes like we've talked about before, but it, you definitely get a glimpse of it in this one. Yeah, I think this whole plot line kind of brings that version of Sarah out. Yeah, um, because and I think that's the whole reason why Linda Hamilton Sarah is known for being that way is just because of the mental duress she's under, right? Just, like, mm-hmm. the psychological trauma that she's gone through. And not only that, but just, like, the time crunch involved in it. And mm-hmm. I think all of that mixed together is what makes Sarah and T2 go off the rails. And in this show, the Three Dots plotline is really what does that for this version of Sarah Connor. And I think that's really interesting. Um, it's probably one of the best things to come out of the three dots plotline is that we get to see that version of Sarah come out um, and her kind of like learn to overcome that. But we'll get into that more as, as we go forward. Um, Give me one second to pause this here. Yep. Can you edit this? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I got to take, I got to take this thing out. It's going to beep here in a minute. Yep. Sorry. No, you're good. 
You're good. Yeah, so I think going along with that, um, they mention in here um, Emma mm -hmm. died in a car crash in 1984, and you can't help but think: Is this supposed to be connected to some way? Something? Are they going to bring this up later? And spoiler alert, they never do, but <laughs> <laughs> were they going to do something with that? I don't know. <laughs> Was it going to be connected somehow to the first movie? I don't know. Could have been. Could have been. But they never. No. I really like the plot line with the father and son with Alex and Xander. I think that's, uh, I think that's the hard part about like the idea behind Skynet and Judgment Day and this dark future is that there's people with real dreams and real hopes and a desire to actually make a positive change in the world behind a lot of this stuff. And then boom, you know, and Miles Dyson was obviously the same way. He was a family man. Um, and it's, it's tragic what happens to him in T2. And so I think that's done really well here with these two mm -hmm. in this episode. I think that mimics the Dyson family um, in a way that is pretty tasteful and very different given just the nature of their family dynamic and the fact that they're a startup and just all it's very original in that way but it's hitting yeah. a lot of the same beats as Dyson and his family did in T2 and I really like that I do also I like the dynamic and I like the relationship between Sarah and the father and yeah um, the plot line is actually really clever also of just the idea of him trying to swindle money out of her in the end, right? Like that's ultimately what it ends up being yep. is they need, they need the money. They, he double crosses her, hires this actor, blames it on the Yakuza. It's yep. pretty cool. Well, you, well, you don't expect it. It kind of comes out mm -hmm. of nowhere um, because you expect this guy to just be really genuine. And him and Sarah have made this real connection, seemingly real connection. And yeah. all of a sudden it's just like this big third act twist. And, it's just very well done. I mean, for TV too, it, it's just like, it feels like a movie twist. It works really well. And it's really too bad. And we've talked about this before, but it's too bad that they keep these storylines. So self-contained into one episode. Sure. Cause this, it feels like a plot line that could have been drug out. Um, like you would see in, in a better call Saul episode or something sure. else, you know? Sure. And um, I, I agree with that. I think the only, the only reason I'd push back is it might not have been as effective. I think that you could have to do it, it right. To, or yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to do it right. Um, but there's the possibility that it might not have been as effective. I, I think back to the episode where John goes to military school earlier that we covered and uh i don't think that would have been as effective if it were like a two-parter you know or if it was a plot thread that continued if some of those characters came back maybe that'd be really cool but i i felt like the side characters in that had a complete arc and i i feel the same way about the characters here i think there's a complete arc here but it would be nice for some of these characters like dr sherman to overlap over the course of a few episodes and not just be one and done. Of course, Sherman's dead now, so usually when the characters on this show do overlap, they die. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, um, we we have so many long form storytelling uh, shows these days. It 
it's frustrating for me going back to one where everything was self-contained week by week, yeah. right? And there's something to be said about that works also. It's true. But, See, I and I'm the type of person who prefers that. I'd much rather go back and watch yeah. episodes of X Files or Supernatural or Smallville mm-hmm. or whatever monster of the week, freak of the week, filler, quote unquote filler episode I can get. But I think sure. the Sarah Connor Chronicles is a perfect blend of both long form storytelling and self-contained episodes. And sometimes the self-contained episodes maybe could have gone on longer. And sometimes some of the longer plot lines could have just been self-contained episodes. I think that is true, but I think it does a good job in general of mixing them very well. And I think it, it was kind of a precursor to the types of long form storytelling we see on, on general broadcast or cable television today. They do a good job with what they have to do in in um, telling these shorter self-contained stories. It does also sometimes lead to a where the heck was Derek in this episode? Right, <laughs> it's <laughs> that, true. It didn't necessarily happen in this one, and we get some really good conflict with him and and Jesse. But yeah, I will amend my statement. I will say, like, obviously, the Sarah Connor Chronicles didn't start this trend. You know, you had shows like Lost and Heroes that also did this very well. Um, that were yeah that you weren't really standalone episode shows, but occasionally had them. Um, but this episode or this show, I think, is very good at every episode being standalone and every episode being part of the long form story. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's one of those that I think does a very good job of being both. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes in shows, I really like that. I really like that here. Last few seasons of Supernatural that did that, didn't like that as much. Preferred the standalones for that show. But what are you going to do? Um, speaking of long-form stories, we get this huge reveal in this episode that Riley not only knows Jesse, but is working as a double agent for Jesse, spying on John, which seems to come out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, and, and you and I knew this, so, you know, this is not our first rodeo watching this show, but um, for the first time viewer, this is shocking. It is. She starts acting really weird before the reveal in the bedroom where you can tell, sure. like, why is she, she is, like, really trying to keep him here. Yeah. <laughs> keep him interested. And then it gets kind of, you know, all put together here. And then rewatching it, you can notice little things that cue you to it. Yeah, I mean, it's I've fun. yeah, I've definitely been noticing that upon this rewatch, just like all of those little uh, little nuggets they throw in. Gosh, I I feel so bad for her in this episode, though. Yeah. You feel a real sense of just the weight on her of totally. lying and like anxiety and a real sense of wanting to escape all of it. Totally. Well, and you can tell she doesn't want it. She doesn't want this life that she has. Yes. But she feels indebted, and she has to do it. And seeing how manipulative Jesse is with her also doesn't help you questioning her um, explanation of why she's there and her worries about Cameron. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Again, Jesse's kind of a crazy Jessie's person. Jesse's really mean. <laughs> She's kind of a crazy person and kind of mean and manipulative and uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's and you wonder why uh why Derek's with her, honestly. Mhm. Speaking of Derek, I like that there's a real struggle with him trying to figure out if he should betray John in this way or not and I think it's a very interesting choice he made to uh, to reveal that he is John's uncle and that John is his nephew I don't really know why he makes this choice because I don't really know if I believe it like I I, I don't know obviously uh, Brian Austin Green sells it he's a great actor but I don't know I don't know if I believe it like why? It's an odd, why? <laughs> it's like it's the Ellison thing. Time, yeah, 
it's yeah, it's an odd time for him to bring it up, and it's also odd seeing Jesse just di- dismiss it so easily. Yeah. Um, maybe she already knew, sort of thing. Yeah, I think some of that, and also, but yeah, the the why of it is he trying to gauge her reaction to it? You know, I don't right. know. I don't know. I don't know. They have a cute little moment with the toothbrush conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also more of like, is she manipulating Derek now? (laughs) Right. By bringing up the past. Right. Which it it seems like Jesse's just the master manipulator. Yes. Which, of course, is going to come back. Dun, dun, Mm. dun. I think you mean dun 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 dun. Oh, you're right. You're right. Forgive me. <laughs> um, other than that, I think the only other big thing to come of this episode is the return of Cromartie's body as John Henry. Um, the... Creepiest thing. Oh, it's so freaking creepy. <laughs> it's but so you can creepy. you can tell they're like we really like working with Garrett Dillahunt. We just want him back. So we're going to do anything we can to keep him on the show. And they're going to like, we're going to do the creepiest thing with this character. Yeah. But he's not Cromartie that we need to make that clear for anyone who's confused. He's not Cromartie. He's John Henry. He's, he's this Babylon project AI. They've uploaded him into this. Somehow far more creepy than Cromartie was. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) And this isn't even the worst of it. Like the creepiest scene with him in this body is is to be seen <laughs> it's coming mm, mm. Well, what's cool is uh it was creepy before you even saw that it was john henry when because the, the the conversation just through the screen with ellison yeah. is very creepy very creepy that the machine is able to admit yes i understand that by rerouting the power i was killing this person yep and it has no feeling about it like all of that stuff is really cool and creepy and then you find out that this is the face of that creepiness (laughs) which should have been enough for ellison to be like yeah i'm out (laughs) i'm gonna call sarah (laughs) i'm gonna pull the plug on this thing literally (laughs) yeah no kidding like right don't you well like why wouldn't that be enough i don't know we'll we'll get into it more the next few episodes i'm sure but it's a it's a creepy reveal and it's one another one that you don't really see coming because at this point you're like, oh well, they'll just use the body for something else, and maybe they'll repurpose it, and maybe like in the first season they'll just get a different actor and they'll change the skin or something like that. But nope, or they they take just the chip and they use that right, right, <laughs> and nope, they fix the skin first and foremost, and then they uh, <laughs> then they just plugged it in to this other AI. Um, I, I do like the explanation behind the name John Henry, though. I really like that uh, American legend, that folktale um, of John Henry. I think it's a yeah. really cool one. I'd love... Yeah. There's some really great movie ad- adaptations or animated ad- adaptations out there. And uh, it just it's per- it's the perfect name for this mm-hmm. AI. It's the perfect name for this character, and I just really like it. I agree. I love it. Kind of weird that uh, the character's not a black man, but whatever, it's fine. Nothing. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, with that, unless you had any other final thoughts on this week's episode, that is everything I have. All right, all of it, all of it. But if we missed something, let us know. Yeah, we are happy to uh, happy to go back and talk more about this episode. It's a great episode. I mean, it really is. It's it's fun. It's it feels just like a Terminator movie. It is exciting and it advances every plot line in a way that actually makes them feel compelling and not filler. And we we couldn't be more happier about that. So yeah, it's a good one. Well, Tanner, where can our good friends listening find us if 
they need that information all of the major uh podcast listening areas spotify apple ipod (laughs) (laughs) no fate pod also yeah at no fate pod on twitter all those great spots to listen to us yep you can also listen to us directly on our website nofakepodcast.com we have a tab there now listen now where you can listen to the most recent episode immediately when I upload it Um, go to nofakepodcast.com slash listen and you can get there and then you can go to all the past episodes either on that page or we have a past episodes tab as well Um, otherwise that's it so well until next time if you were listening to this you are the resistance (laughs) ha ha ha